Welcome to The Dark Divide, a podcast that takes a seat, dangles its legs over the edge, and stares into the abyss. This is the story of Philip Inhofer. Sacramento is the serene gold rush capital of California. Some might say it perfectly represents the juxtaposition of the state itself, both quaint and beautiful, but dangerous and unpredictable. The 90s were a time of uncategorized chaos. Gangs, muggings, drugs, sex work, as well as a homicide rate climbing steadily. And that was only counting the crimes that were reported. 1991 would see 100 murders, with the city reaching its peak and setting a record in 93. Between street crime, serial killers, and spree murders, the Sacramento Homicide Unit wasn't short on cases. And for as much as there was an urgent sense of growing fear, there was also a sense of confidence in the police, as a majority of their cases were solved. Still, even at a population just under 400,000, Sacramento seemed to set the tone for a decade of rising violence. On March 7, 1991, Henry Inhofer received a call from his father's place of work. He hadn't shown up, and since his father, Philip, was 58 years old, they wanted to make sure that everything was all right. In a way, it was bittersweet for Henry. Growing up, his dad had always been too busy in the military to really have a solid relationship with him. That gap had only been recently bridged with Philip's retirement and return to civilian life. It was endearing that he was his dad's emergency contact at work. But Henry was struck with a worried confusion as he pulled up to the dark mobile home, which was strange. His father always had some sort of lamp on, or sometimes you could see the glow of the television through the curtains. His Mercedes wasn't in the carport, and he hadn't left a porch light on for himself. Even before Henry got to the front door, he was certain that something was wrong. He opened the door and yelled for his dad, and heard nothing but silence. Henry flicked the lights on, and it took a minute for his eyes to gauge exactly what was in front of them. There was blood, strange spots of it in places that made no sense, and the closet, with the door slightly ajar. A horrified feeling swept over Henry when he opened it to reveal the naked body of his father in a pool of blood. Even though there was a plastic bag over his head, he knew it was his dad. It wouldn't have been anyone else. Henry ran out of the house before the thick stench of death overtook his body. He called 911, hearing the words leave his mouth and desperately wishing this was just some nightmare he could still wake up from. When lead investigator John Cabrera got to the scene, he quickly realized that this homicide was going to be like nothing else he had ever witnessed before. Life as a homicide detective was always a haunting contrast. One minute you're finishing dinner with your family, and the next you're pulling a dead body out of a closet. But Cabrera hadn't been expecting the bloodbath that he walked into. There was blood soaked in the carpet, squishing beneath his shoes. Blood was spattered and smeared along the walls, on the floor, even parts of the ceiling. This hadn't just been a murder. It had been an animalistic attack with an obvious lack of impulse. He was covered in stab wounds. Cabrera could only count what he could see, which was still a dozen or two at least. Even when the coroner arrived on the scene, he couldn't be sure of the laceration count. It wouldn't be until the full examination that it was finalized at 32 stab wounds. The attack had been so violent and brutal that the knife had broken off inside his chest. That hadn't been enough for the assailant, who had also beaten him black and blue with some sort of heavy object. The overkill left Cabrera baffled. He'd worked over 300 homicide cases, but this one was probably the most brutal murder he had ever seen. Clearly, the man hadn't been killed in the closet. He was found lying on his stomach at the end of a blood trail of drag marks. Cabrera made his way through the mobile home until he found the bathroom, which looked something like a snapshot out of a horror film. It was a no-brainer. This was where the murder took place. The shower curtain had been slashed. The blood on the walls was almost like a mist from the force of the impact. There was blood in the bathtub, all over the floor, everywhere. 
A pair of men's glasses were folded on the sink, as if removed before getting into the shower. He had most likely been taken by surprise with the attack, naked, vulnerable, and completely defenseless. Authorities immediately secured the scene and scoured for any evidence that would give them a clue about who did this and why. The mobile home was only seven miles from downtown Sacramento, but the area around the home itself was dark and isolated. The perfect place to get away was such a horrifying act. Crime had begun to take on a much more insidious element, and they knew that the possibility of this being the work of a serial killer or spree killer was very real. Because who else would want to kill this helpless old man with no enemies on a random Wednesday night? Whoever it was clearly had a massive amount of rage in them, and they'd taken off with the man's car, so maybe they were still depending on the use of that vehicle. Police knew they had no time to spare when it came to stopping them before the possibility of murder struck again. 